I'm almost tempted to say I'm sorry before we start here for plowing the the usual well-worn furrows, right? But I've got my okay. my fucking preoccupations. I've got the topics which concern me. I've got the things which I think about, and I want to return to them and I want to explore them and I want to talk these out because that's the jack of all graves way, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's why. That's my prerogative. That's my prerogative. It's the way that I want to live, <laughs> right? Uh. Yeah. I didn't expect that, but it's always nice to drop a little bit no, of Bobby Brown. it was delightful, though. Is he okay? Bobby Brown is okay. Like, like, in general, like, his health, or, like, is he, like, a shit person? Yeah, is it, is it, is it, is it fine to support Bobby Brown's music? That's a good question. I'm not sure. He did, mm, I want to... He did I a wanna, lot of drugs. I don't know. It's hard I to tell. I think he some... also kept Whitney... See, that's my thought process. I'm like, eh, you know, not a lot of like great dudes mm. at that point who are wealthy and doing a lot of drugs and being married to people. I digress. Look what you've done. You've <laughs> taken me down a fucking Bobby Brown rabbit hole within well, the first. Certainly my fault. <laughs> <laughs> Look, again, I, I apologize. I need to talk this stuff out because yes. this is, believe it or not, right? And I'm not why I always me, but. Joag is pretty much the only space I have to talk this shit out, right? Of course, yeah. Uh, so back to the spike. Back to the okay. seemingly, you know, limitless, there's no upper limit on where this spike is going to climb to. There's no mm. ceiling for it. There's no apex, apparently yet. Up and up it goes, right? So, COVID. of course, of yes. the mighty Omicron variant. Yeah. And... My thoughts have been very preoccupied with ideas of mutation mm, mm-hmm. and adaption, adaptation, you know, life, yeah. uh, finding a fucking way, mate, right? Because, holy shit, man. All right, he's fictional, but Ian Malcolm was right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah? And th- I, I, I would also humbly suggest, there's our title, Ian Malcolm was right. He fucking <laughs> nailed it. It's incredible the degrees to which life finds a way, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about mutation, about evolution, about how, you know, mutation is the precursor to evolution. Single mm. fucking genetic changes. It's I can see why people reach for this idea of intelligent design. I can right. see so easily why people cleave so closely to this idea of, of, a, of a fucking of a hand in all this of an intelligent hand in all this because it's bonkers it's fucking nuts to think that life will adapt to its surroundings as a means to continue itself the especially pr- the idea that that happens automatically essentially yes. because as humans we're used to making choices about you know what we do how yeah. things work uh, and we're not we're obviously not aware of our own evolution as yeah. it happens yeah. very slowly. Yeah. The idea that things just sort of happen yes. over time based yes. on conditions and you don't have to take an active part in that. And I think that's at the, at the core of it all. That's the one that's really baking me out this week mm. is mm-hmm. this idea that, hang on, what's <laughs> making this decision to adapt? What's making right. this decision to continue? Oh, I think about that all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's. I can see why people just go, well, God, 
Right. <laughs> you know? Evolution. Yeah. Provide a little order in all of this nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's, it's, it's incredible to me. You know that, I mean, take sharks, right? Okay. Let's I take love sharks. sharks. Let's take sharks. Look, if Please if do. ever if ever there was a fucking you know uh, uh, a Joag fucking mascot, it's a shark, isn't it? Let's be Absolutely. real. Absolutely. Great any bunch kind of, of lads. Obviously, already goblin sharks, but any shark. Great bunch of lads. Hit me. There are uh, well, first off, we are lucky in that the shark fossil record, right? The catalog mm-hmm. of shark kind going back millions and millions and millions of years, there are some species of shark, I'm sure you know this, but there are some species of shark which are essentially unchanged from how they were about 150 million years ago, right? Yeah. Incredible. For those particular species of shark, evolution, mutation, adaptation just hasn't happened. It stopped. Why would it? Because they've pretty much got it nailed, right? Yeah, they're already perfect. Exactly. So... I kind of then start to think, what about us? What about mm-hmm. mankind? We don't have any predators, really, any natural predators anymore. Nothing's fucking hunting us. Yeah. Thanks to these lads, thanks to our good old opposable thumbs and our, you know, swollen cerebellums, we're the smart ones. We don't have any predators anymore. So what next for us in terms of evolution? Are we done? Have we stopped? Are we <laughs> right. now land sharks, evolutionarily, if that's even a fucking word? Mm. Have we now reached the plateau of our adaptation? I know that, you, you know, we spoke of this briefly last week. And uh, you advanced the idea that it's neurodivergence that is, in fact, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. something evolutionary that is happening to us. That is natural selection. That is Darwinism. Uh, you know, that, that invisible hand moving us into pole position on an evolutionary kind of way. What if I were to tell you that physical evolution, physical human evolution is happening right now to people? Go on. I mean, this, obviously we are in a rapidly changing world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the reason that we were talking about this had something to do with some other thing that was evolving very fast, and it was wild that it's... Oh, it, it was the the wasps, the meat wasps. Of co- yes, of course. The, the idea of something evolving that quickly as a yeah. response to scarcity. Yeah. Um, or changing their habits, or whatever the case may be. Developing well, enzymes, all that. So I don't have a problem believing we might be in the process of actively evolving in a visible way. Well, we are, but the great thing is, it's not all of us. There are, uh, there are uh, changes, there are mutations happening in very specific very particular groups of humans in a very Mm. particular set of circumstances let me just use the phrase high altitude adaptation okay right there are uh certain particular human populations so think tibet uh think the andes uh think ethiopia there are particular uh groups of humans who have acquired the ability to survive and thrive at altitudes above two and a half thousand meters. Right, yeah. You know? Um, altitudes that for, you know, pasty, sickly Europeans like me <laughs> would lead to sickness and inability to, to breathe. Hypoxia. The rest of the human population would suffer really severe health consequences, but indigenous, uh, indigenous inhabitants of these regions absolutely thrive because of genetic changes in the the way that they regulate oxygen intake the way that they uh the way that they handle blood circulation compared to general kind of low dwellers like you or i 
Right. People who live and who have bred in massively kind of uh, elevated communities have become fantastic at kind of uh, 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 regulating oxygen intake around their bodies in ways that we just can't do. Evolution, physical evolution is happening all around the planet. Even like the, you know, there's like the keto diet. Yes. You know, that's like that. And I don't, I guess it's like eating like meat and stuff. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is because diets are dumb. But this is based, I guess, off of, and I'm doing this without any research. This is just, so take this with a grain of salt. But I do know that part of this ketosis thing, this idea of your body going into ketosis. Yeah. Um, is like based off of indigenous communities in like alaska oh, like inuit mate, people inuit. And stuff like that 100 100 right and that their bodies had to yeah regulate like this and to be able to go into a state of ketosis yeah. because of what was available to them they obviously yeah. don't have vegetation throughout the year that they can just eat so they Inuits have to be able to survive off fuck of meat. all vegetables right and not just right. any meat they don't just eat any meat it's not like yeah. you know uh, you know, farm cultivated corn right. fed it's not fucking cows. It's no, not sir. It's, it's whales, fucking seals. seals. Yeah. Munching on seals, right. fat fucking seals. Um, and, yeah. and you're so right. There's evidence from Inuit DNA shows very recent adaptations allowing them yeah. to thrive on their fat ass diet of yeah. blubber encrusted animals. Um, yeah. Uh, so, like I said, we're talking seals, we're talking whales. Full of omega-3 polyunsaturated fatty acids. And Inuits <laughs> absolutely thrive on that shit. Genetic mutations allowing them to process this diet, which you get in just 2% of Europeans, but nearly 100% of Inuits. Right? Exactly. So yeah. if you or I decided that we were going to just go full on fucking seal fat for our diets, <laughs> it, we'd, Wouldn't it work would fuck well us for up. Us. No, it would completely <laughs> fuck us up. But... Yeah. Check this out. Check this out. Um, Because uh, a person's growth, right? A person's Mm -hmm. height is partially regulated by your fatty acid profile. This Mm -hmm. adaptation in Inuits has made them all short as fuck. Oh, interesting. Yes, they're short as fuck, but they can process fat in ways that no one else on the planet seems to be able to. Well, that's fascinating. Yes, it is. It's fascinating as fuck. (laughs) Um, I love that. Adaptations which are specifically designed to allow the individual or that group of individuals to thrive in their own circumstances, which in its way has led to me becoming very, very, very much more comfortable with what's happening with COVID, right? Because my thought process Mm -hmm. with Omicron, and we spoke about this over text, right? I, I, I remember saying to you, hang about... <laughs> this this mutation it, you know evidence is telling us that maybe it's a little less serious it's not maybe not going to fuck you up as badly as delta or whatever else it's just very very transmissible what if the next mutation makes it more virulent makes it yeah. stronger makes it more hardcore makes it a fucking the killer version of covid but looking into <laughs> Yeah, and I think I was just sort of like, like, I think I've read that scientists don't think that's how it works. Yeah. But I have no idea why that is. Well, I have no explanation for that. Well, so I'm curious what you found about it. All that, I've, all that I've found this week, 
just makes you think, why the fuck would it? You know, to quote, mm. uh, to quote a, a Jessica Metcalf, who is a biologist, an evolutionary biologist at Princeton. Quote, the virus has no interest in killing us. Right. Virulence, as in strength, toxicity, fatality, how badly it'll fuck you up. Virulence only matters for the virus if it works for transmission. Life right. finds a way. It wants to spread. How the fuck is it going to spread if it's killing everyone it came into contact with? Look at all the gnarly fucking, you know, Animal Kingdom shit we've spoken about in the past. Snails with disco fucking eyes. Zombie snails. That's all about yeah. just propagating the life cycle. Yes, it kills right. the host. Yes, okay. But only in, a, in a, a, like a theatrical way to ensure that it spreads. Right. Right? Um, like I've said, mutation, evolution. It's all about survival. It's all about propagating the species. Um, all of my reading today, the only ways the COVID is realistically going to mutate is to make it more transmissible, is to make it you know, better at evading immunity, or to make it stronger and more lethal. And of those three, the only ones that actually benefit COVID is the first, to make it more transmissible. Right. Make it more transmissible. It yeah. wants to spread. It wants to live. And, hey, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? You know? And I guess I'm definitely not one of those people who is like, oh, we're all going to get it. Better get resigned to it. I mean, we might, but I think we should also be doing better to make sure that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, but as especially now, because we're still not at the point that this is like, you know, just like getting a cold or whatever. It still kills people, especially if they're not vaccinated. Yeah. But, you know, it's there's something hopeful in that, I suppose, that as this thing continues, because it will be, you know, that is, it seems to be the idea that it's going to be endemic. It's going to be like the flu. Yeah. It will come around in five years or whatever. <laughs> the idea that it's just kind of like, oh, oh mm. man, I got the COVID, yeah. you know, just like you say, I got the flu and yeah. whatever. Um, I guess there's something hopeful about that. It just wants to live. Um, that's that's exactly it on some level it just wants to live and when you look elsewhere in the animal kingdom at just what kind of mad shit is possible with millions and millions <laughs> of years of adaptation and evolution you, you know fuck it give it a chance i mean have you seen some of the incredible shit that moths are capable of doing in terms of camouflage oh yeah yeah, go insane on. shit. There are moths that look like wood, moths that yeah. look like twigs, moths that that, that, that look moths like moths with walls. faces, moths with like faces, yeah, face wings, yes, yes. And like you said, right? What the fuck is deciding to do that? Oh, it's like that. Like uh, I posted this thing on Instagram, just shared something, but uh, where there was like a flower hmm. that looked like a bird. Yes. Uh, in order to like keep predators away or whatever. And the, the Twitter user had been like, how does a flower know what a bird looks like? Yeah. Right. How does a flower know what a bird looks like? That is a wild evolutionary trait it's to make incredible. you look like something you've never seen. And hey, look, I am not a geneticist. I'm not a biologist. I'm none of these things. But my understanding is yeah. that the moth doesn't know. Obviously, it doesn't. <laughs> On a cellular level, the moth doesn't know. Yeah. But one time there was a moth that looked a tiny bit like a flower that didn't get eaten. So passed <laughs> on its genetic material. Yeah. That moth also looked a bit like a flower. Maybe, you know, it didn't get eaten again and again and again and again. And over fucking thousands. didn't get eaten that exactly. looked like flowers. Exactly. And... Natural selection. Yeah. Natural selection. That's so wild. Isn't Definitely it? something we'll have to approach with Eileen at oh, some Eileen. point as well. Uh, 
because yeah there's a lot to that that is absolutely fascinating um but hopefully this uh, you know gives some hope mm. to us and to you listeners that unless you know that hopefully this will become maybe transmissible but less deadly as it goes on and on and on instead of just becoming disco covid and <laughs> turning into something that still finds a way yes uh yeah for the first time probably in the history of the internet reading about stuff uh has made me feel better about it finding out more about evolution and about adaptation in viruses has made me actually feel way more uh, optimistic about our future living with covid wonderful let me quote directly from my notes if i may yes please do fucking look at these nerds oh mise-en-scene Anyone has ever said me well said in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Can I just ask, right, okay, so uh, it's Christmas. And I sincerely hope that you've all had a really fucking good christmas listeners mm. i really yeah, do I, I really really do i hope that each of you each fucking one of you has had some really lovely time with your families uh and if you have younger members of your family i hope they've had a lovely time as well i hope that they're believing like motherfuckers in santa um <laughs> i hope that everybody got a little bit of something a little something something that they wanted I hope they've had the chance to drink if you drink, to play games if you play games, watch TV if that's what you want to do. And you know what? If you don't celebrate any of this shit, I hope you've just been having a good week anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Very much cosign yeah. on everything you just said, Mark. Yeah. Hope everyone's just having a grade A week. Mm. So this is this has been on my mind ever since Halloween. And I it's, it's very strange that I'm only now circling back to it. But um, I watched that Muppet Haunted Mansion. Oh, I loved that so much. Uh, I see it's why fine. a lot of people hated it. Yeah, I, I, I see it. why everyone else enjoyed it. But one of the things that really, I'm going to go ahead and say ruined it for me, took me right out of it. What the fuck is up with Kermit the Frog's voice these days in 2021? It's so bad. It's, you know, and the fellow who does it, he does several other muppet voices for whatever reason they have him doing kermit and he sounds nothing like sounds kermit fuck all like kermit and it's so just this is the same thing with big bird by the way too the person who does big bird on sesame street sounds mm. nothing like big bird <laughs> and it's so distracting <laughs> i don't care about that because i fucking hate big bird he's a knobhead um how can you hate I, I i simply don't like him what whereas what's wrong with you mark <laughs> whereas i've got some affection towards kermit i think kermit is a, a yeah. lad like i could i could hang yeah, with kermit kermit's a great guy i would i would get a beer with kermit yes i would um I, because <laughs> muppets are real even as i say this i i almost am reluctant to say it but i think i could do a better kermit than whatever clown they've currently got doing kermit mark <laughs> i knew <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, show up or shut up. <laughs> hey, everybody, come listen to Jack of All Graves. I'm fucking Kermit. Whee! <laughs> oh no! 
Kermit dropping f bombs. <laughs> hmm, y'all like podcasts? It wasn't bad though. The fuck is a podcast? Come and listen to this one. Me. Yeah, that one you no. kind of lost it on the second no, try. So Your first go was was All better, right. but yeah. um. See what but I mean? Better than either that way. It's yeah. I mean, it is wild mm. that this guy is so bad at Kermit, and they just they just expect us to not talk about it. Yeah. And just accept it. Are you the clown currently voicing Kermit the Frog? If so, get in touch. We'd like to talk. We're not going to hit you. <laughs> we just want to chat. That's all. Just have a little talk about it. <laughs> One time no when I, uh, I must have been about 17, right? I was walking through Bristol. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, I was walking through Bristol on my own. and uh, a group... I don't know why this is funny. I <laughs> You look very amused by the idea you're walking through Bristol, and I'm like, yeah. I don't know what that is. I was going, I was okay. going to somewhere. I was going to meet somebody in Bristol, uh, and a, a, a group of guys on the opposite side of the road. I remember clear as day. One of them called out, "Hey, mate, come over here. Don't worry, I'm not going to hit you." <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, hang on, until he said, "I'm not going to hit you." <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that he might hit me, so I just, I did not go across the road. I feel like you probably made a very good decision that day. Yeah. Yep. Or not. Maybe that's <laughs> just how we greet people. <laughs> I, do, I actually have like a winning lottery ticket for you. <laughs> yeah. Bonk. I don't understand why no one ever comes over and talk to me. I already said I'm not going to hit them. That's so uh, weird. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. But you had a great Christmas, Mark. Yes, I did. Actually, I've got... Uh, an abundance of distractions, you know what I mean? I've got a few uh, nice Blu-rays that I wanted. I've got a lot of video games uh, queued up to play. Um, yeah. I've still got another week off work, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm f- just freely drinking as and when I want. <laughs> Treating it like first week of lock, first month of lockdown yeah. all over again. I, you know, it, it, this Christmas does have first week of lockdown vibes. Because normally, yeah. you know, you know... I'm not a massive drinker. I'm not. I'll, I'll happily go a week, two weeks without without bothering. Whereas yep. these past couple of weeks, eh, what's to stop you having a drink, Mark? Nothing at all. So I'm just having tins as and when required, and it feels good. I'm a little bit soft. You know what I mean? I've gotten <laughs> a little bit soft of late. Um, oh, it's a good feeling. It is. It is. I'm staying clear of the gym because of our good friend, Mr. Omicron. Yes. Who, you know, who is valid and who has a right to live. I don't know if that's exactly what i got out of that conversation but sure yeah no um evolution. regardless he's here to stay Ex- well yeah exactly exactly so yes i'm staying clear of the gym because of our good friend mr yes. omicron the omicron wave and uh <laughs> so i'm doing a little bit of running when i feel like i want to but otherwise i'm, I'm giving very 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 few fucks yeah oh i'm so in that mm. mode right now i've been stressed out lately and everything in the past couple days i've just been leaning into not that Mm. and uh, as much as i can minimize my stress just sitting i got a great big comfortable hoodie for uh christmas yeah and i've just been sitting in that playing hades chilling with my dog Mm. um living the dream and just trying to like push every thought out and it's been really nice good um which thoughts are you trying to push out exactly all the stressful ones, you know, right, all the okay. like anything that any negative vibes, good vibes only, you know, that's where I am right now. So anything that's like harshing my mellow, good. I'm just trying to like eliminate it for the time that I'm sitting there 
in my big soft thingy. They are great playing games. I to oh own one God, of these garments. So they are. You said it. I think you said it best yourself. You said it's like wearing a clothes, and it is. It is big warm. Wrapping clothes. yourself up in warm vapor. Yeah. And what's great is that you know how much I love to sit on my front porch, but my front porch isn't heated. Mm. Uh, but I can wear that and go sit on the love sack outside and read. You had a white Christmas. No, it a quite... white-ish Christmas Eve. Okay. And then it got real warm again. <laughs> it went from being like, it got real cold for one night, got to see a little bit of snow on Christmas Eve, you know, a nice blanket. By like 4 p.m. it was like 50 degrees and it was gone. <laughs> and then it was Christmas Day, you could walk out without a sweatshirt on. Well, the the photo that you caught was super picturesque. You have a lovely back garden anyway and it looked beautiful. Oh, with just nice a little, little sugaring of snow. Um, just enough. Cool. Let's talk gifts really briefly. What was the favorite thing you got? Did you get anything good? Well, I got yeah, I got that goodie. Yeah. I yeah, got yeah, yeah. um, I got new earbuds, which I knew were coming, and I've been waiting on, and was super super excited about that. Nice. So stoked on that action. Um, yeah. I feel like there was something else I got that I was really oh, I got a puzzle, and so we spent uh all day Christmas Day doing a puzzle, which for my ADHD brain is Bliss. like the best possible thing uh-huh. to get. Uh, so but the problem was I told my mom I didn't want stuff, you know? I was like, I don't want, mm. I just, I don't want things that accumulate yeah. and that I will have no use for and things like that. And, and she just kind of left it at the, uh, Corey said she didn't want anything <laughs> and then didn't listen to the, I, because I don't want it cluttered and things like that. So she just gave me a bunch of junk. <laughs> Like from around the house, like used like watercolor paints and things like that. Oh, like wow. just random stuff. Oh. Uh, Regifting like, stuff which was just lying around the place. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I was like, like I opened the watercolors and I was like, I legitimately think I brought these up here because they were on a <laughs> desk downstairs, and I was like, I have no use for this. You're an artist. Uh, have these so you know it was a on the one hand my husband got me lots of things that were like just exactly what i needed and will be very useful yeah (laughs) a random assortment of trash from around the house the the listen just if you can keep it secret i will tell this you the joag wife laura is a rampant and remorseless regifter right Oh. To the point where I'm terrified that at some point she's going to re-gift someone some shit that they bought us previously. Oh, yeah. I'm really Yeah, it's like an Animal Crossing when you give them something and they're like, this looks familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I have warned her to, to watch that, but one day it's going to happen. And Oh, yeah. She should at least there. write down who it's from so that it yeah. doesn't happen. Yes. Because, like, I'm for re-gifting. I think that's a great idea because, like... For example, now we've done that puzzle. I'm not going to do it again. I'll give it to somebody else. Yeah. And they yeah, will yeah. have a wonderful day of yeah. doing that puzzle. Yeah. It's a way to keep waste low. It's a way to not have clutter all over the place. I think yeah. it's a very good environmentally friendly thing to do. As long as it's just not like, I hated this and you accidentally give it back to the person. <laughs> Which is, yeah, very possible. It should be thoughtful regifting. I uh, donated a load of puzzles recently to a care home in the area. <sighs> I love that. Uh, one of which, one of which was a uh, really, really fucking fiendishly difficult jigsaw of the last Ghost album cover. <laughs> I yeah, love that you gave a satanic so puzzle I to wonder, an old folks home. I wonder how they're gonna. Uh, Phenomenal. 
I don't know how to <laughs> deal with that. Maybe it'll see, get I've thought about buying curious. those ghost puzzles before, and mm. then I'm like, yeah, that looks, that looks hard. It was super tough. It took me weeks. Oh, dang. Oh, yeah. Do you I, do I, it by I, yourself? I did, um, but mm. I, I'm the type who will spend, I, I can't focus for long on a jig, so I'll lose my shit. So I'll do like 10 minutes, pop a piece in, walk away, come back like later that week, <laughs> do a piece. You know. I am the exact opposite. <laughs> of course it you are. It is like everything calms in my brain when I do it. And it's the only time I can focus on one thing. My hyper focus oh, just activates. Huh. And so it's literally like, so, you know, I wear a Fitbit and 10 minutes to the hour it reminds me if I haven't taken 250 steps. Yeah. And I swear to God, every hour I was like, how can that be? It's been three minutes. Mm. <laughs> I was just so absorbed in doing this puzzle. Time ceased to exist. Beautiful. I was just like fully engaged, did that thing, whole thousand piece puzzle over the course of six, seven hours, something oh, like that. Holy shit. You did a thousand piece puzzle in one go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All in one day. Yeah. Mate. That is some beautiful mind <laughs> shit. I can't even <laughs> fathom that. It's great. Uh, for your ADHD friends in your life, consider puzzles. Wild. I should keep that in mind. Thank <laughs> you. Um, have you, uh, did you get a chance to watch anything this week? I, <laughs> I watched uh, The Last Duel. Oh, that's right. I forgot you. Yeah, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel. Um, mm. For some reason, I was in the mood for a big film, you know? Cap <laughs> capital B, capital F. I wanted a big yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh, and who better? Who better than Ridley Scott? Who, who else do you fucking turn to when you want a gigantic historical fucking film? You go to Ridley Scott. Um, I guess, yeah. And... Uh, no, it was... It, it was fuck all to write home about. I wish I'd watched something else. <laughs> um, yeah. I, what What did he blame for why people... Was it? Was he one of those ones who blamed Marvel movies? I think there was some stupid thing he said was like a reason... Yeah, I think he blamed... That like... Oh, I think he blamed oh, cell phones. the bloody kids on their phones. I think that's what mm -hmm. it was. That's the reason the movie failed. Yeah. Um, like, that is... When I saw the trailer for that, I was like, is this a joke? Is this like a real movie? <laughs> And that's why that movie failed, because it did no, not look no. like a real movie. It, yeah, it looked like a parody film within a film yeah, that you'd right. have in something that's exactly like... exactly what it looked like. Like Tropic Thunder. It would be like a poster yeah. you'd see on a wall. Ben Affleck! <laughs> <laughs> One Benjamin <laughs> Affleck. Holy <sighs> shit. Right? Oh, man. I mean, the the time passed. It was, a, it was an engaging enough few hours, right? Okay, that's fair. Uh, largely because of Jodie Comer, who was great. Yeah, you um, kind of can't go wrong with her. Yeah, she turned She's going to give it her all. Exactly that. She turned up. She obviously is at the stage of the career where she thought, hang on, I'm in a fucking, I'm in a Ridley Scott historical epic here. I'd right. best, you know, give it, give it my all. Unfortunately, um, I mean, let me ask you a couple of things. So you're a casting director. Uh, sure. you're, uh, you're on a Ridley Scott movie it's an historical epic set during the, the fucking crusades or whatever obviously you're going to cast Benjamin Affleck in one of the main roles as some king or other clearly obviously <laughs> listen I am like a giant Ben Affleck stan oh, you don't really get oh, I didn't realise this okay oh I love Ben Affleck to like I the core of my being I didn't know that <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm invested in Ben Affleck and, and Jennifer Lopez. I want only good things for the man. I, uh, I love him. That said, <laughs> that is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. That's terrible. Are you kidding me? Like, Just what? terrible. Um, the, the, sh- <sighs> the complete, right? I'm not even, I'm not even exaggerating. The complete disregard for accent continuity in this film. Yeah, right. It's astounding. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, Matt Damon, who is also in it. <laughs> right. Like, I feel like we're also ignoring that both of them are in this, which is the part boys, of why it also doesn't look like a real movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're just going to, oh, okay. It's got Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. That's a bit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it can only be a bit. You can't cast those two in a film anymore. No. Without, you absolutely cannot. Without it being a bit. Um, they... Uh, they try their best, I think, to explain Matt Damon's total lack of anything approaching a context-appropriate accent by casting, okay. uh, by giving his mother an American accent as well. Sure, of course. Um, See, this is, we were just talking before we started about Jack Whitehall and Clifford, too. Yes. And in that, for whatever reason, they, he has a terrible American accent, when in the beginning of it, he says... Oh, I spent the first three years of my life in England or whatever before my parents moved over here. Why did they have to do that? How about he's just British? Yeah, yeah. And I then completely... he came over as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> just don't try to explain it. Do you I know, guess. I had the exact opposite of that experience actually this week. In Ooh. And I, I did tweet this. Mm. Fucking Wong. Oh. Yeah. Holy shit. I saw a red carpet interview on Twitter uh, with, the, the is it Benedict Wong? Is that his name? I think so. I was like, is that right? Yeah. Because yeah. now I'm like, it's two British guys named Benedict who are the leads of Doctor Strange. Bear with. I've got it. What in the world? I no, it's def- I his first name's definitely Benedict. I believe, it, <laughs> I believe he actually is Benedict Wong. Yep. Benedict Wong. And he's being interviewed on the red carpet by this guy. And then this fucking, this northern <laughs> British accent. Yeah, well, Sarah, yeah, we had to be up at three o'clock to be up here. Fucking hell. <laughs> because That's I had no wild. clue. Yeah, no, not an inkling. This happened to me after Get Out, too. I went to the premiere of Get Out, and I walked up to Daniel Kaluuya afterwards mm. and was like, oh, the movie was so great. And he said something back, and I I didn't want to be that person, but I was like, oh! <laughs> like, there was <laughs> oh. no hiding the surprise mm. on my, like, that, you're not from here. Okay, I'll be darned. Yeah, it, that's the last time I remember having an experience, like, seeing Benedict Wong there. Speaking a British accent. Yeah. What? Um, I've not seen Clifford the Big Red fucking dog yet. Totally super. <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah, but I, I have, oh man, I, I have absolutely no warmth or affection towards Jack Whitehall at all. <laughs> so I couldn't care less about him, his stupid fucking gigantic dog, or his shit accent. That's that's totally fine. I enjoy my my Jack Whitehall, but literally seems like the kind of person you would hate. To the core of your soul. And I have no problem with that either. Good. I'm not going to try to defend him. Nah, don't. If, <laughs> if you're going to if you're gonna come out for somebody, don't make it be Jack Whitehall. Yeah, I, that's exactly it. I enjoy my Jack Whitehall. I don't have, not fight for Jack Whitehall. Enjoy Jack Whitehall. You're not going to hold a video uh, for him. <laughs> <laughs> no, not going to do that. Justice for Jack Whitehall. Yeah. Arms around Jack Whitehall. <laughs> Um, and I think, 
you managed to go all the way through this. I did not, but Matrix Resurrection obviously took me two sittings, but week. I got there. Oh, you did, you did two sittings. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. fucking poor is what it is. <laughs> I deeply wish it could have gone another way, but nah. Mm. I I again, I was predisposed to really enjoy Matrix Resolutions. I resolutions revolutions. This is great. Resurrection. Graham Resurrection. Yes. I watched Graham Norton and Keanu was having just as much trouble remembering what the title of this movie is yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me in the least. And again, look, Keanu is a golden god of a human being. Yeah, right. Come on. And he, he more than just a meme, he genuinely seems to be just a simple guy who wants to live a simple life and do good mm-hmm. things with the fucking privilege that he has. Lovely. Exactly. Uh Matrix Resurrections. I don't even know if it's plural or singular. Is it a resurrection? I feel like it might be singular, but I don't know. Okay. I have no idea. Um, it's a film that has no reason to exist. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fair uh, enough. I've only... I've made it, I think, 40 minutes so far, and I have not been able to get myself to... Yeah. ...jump back into it. Way closer in tone to the last two, to the two sequels than it is to the original... And we've talked off-cast about how I feel about those. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, <laughs> Not it, a fan for those at home. The, again, frustratingly, there's the seeds of a really, really good film there. Uh, mm. Has a lot in common with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Fascinating. No, it does. Trust me. It's a world. It, it paints a world <laughs> where the Matrix as a piece of fiction exists. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um... Right. You know, uh, that encourages us to see these characters as having been, uh, you know, uh, created the first film and acknowledges the Matrix as a fiction. Nah. But whereas New Nightmare turned into something really fun. Right. And it did. The New Nightmare was fun as fuck. Seeing people kind of subvert your (laughs) expectations and take left turns that you don't see coming. The Matrix just, you know, it, it just, it does exactly what you fear it will and it just collapses mm. into the usual kind of double talk and convoluted kind of plots, which you're not a third of the way through. You you ask yourself, the fuck is actually going on here? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> right. It's 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 it tries to force awakens the Matrix, mm. whilst new nightmaring the Matrix. Uh, and no, <laughs> it, it 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 need not it exist. Work. It needn't exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Fair. And I've got I've got oh, the Matrix was one of the most memorable cinematic experiences I have ever had. Mm-hmm. Right? It fucking dismantled me as a boy. Right? <laughs> the closing yeah. moment of that film when Neo takes off and flies into the sky to the sound of fucking Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine <laughs> ruined me. It painted the fucking cinema with my brain, right? Uh, but it feels like every step it's taken since then has been to dilute that visceral mm-hmm. kind of shock of the new. Yeah, Boom. that's totally fair. <laughs> I mean, I've said before that I was like so young when I saw it and it didn't like, I don't remember much about it. And then I saw the other ones at the midnight showings and it, you know, they were terrible. So yeah. <laughs> I don't have that like, I don't have that attachment that would make me want this one to be as good either it's like Mm. kind of to me it's kind of like i mean it is what it is because my what i remember of the matrix is the second and third uh so uh let me think well some of the other cinema experiences that 
uh, blew your mind, pounded me into a, a pulp. The opening. Well, you've said before. Um, brain dead. Brain dead. Yes. The opening minutes of Pulp Fiction were another. Interesting. Okay. Yes. When uh, Tim Roth jumps on his seat, waves his gun around, hey, you fucking prick. No, no, no. Uh, fucking execute every motherfucker mm. last one here. And then the fucking guitar kicks in. And I, I thought I was going <laughs> to lose my fucking mind. <laughs> and again, I'm That's kind of That's that cinema of cool right there. Yeah, 15, 16. I, I felt like I was going like Cornholio. You know when Beavis goes Cornholio? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it felt like... It was, it was like that. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love that little insight into yes. into young Mark. Um, also, similarly in things that just like were long and maybe don't need to exist. I watched Don't Look Up, um, which was very much ah. fine. Laura's been um, uh, Jones in after that. Laura wants us to sit down and watch Don't Look Up. Yeah, I wanted it to be so much better. I love the cast of that movie. I'm so excited anytime that Jennifer Lawrence is back in my life. Because mm. um, I've missed her dearly. Uh, and it's just... And I love Adam McKay too. I love Adam McKay stuff, but it just for me was, I don't know. It it, it reflects. It may be too on the nose, and maybe that is also like a too on the nose critique. But just like yeah, yeah, no, it sucks. Listen, this is what our world really is like. Sorry to digress here, but <laughs> yeah, if we can, I just circle back here and just revisit Last Duel very briefly because I'd completely forgot about Adam Driver. <laughs> if we're talking, <laughs> if we're talking Adams. <laughs> And all I want to say is, fuck me, he's a funny looking guy. <laughs> what the fuck? He's not... Uh, novel insights from the Mark fuck Lewis. is... He's not... Is, he, does he really look like that? What a funny looking Listen, guy. Listen, some people, their entire appeal is that, like... Yeah. I don't understand how they're put together. Yeah. This was literally before Benedict Cumberbatch, like, hit it really big. Yeah. I watched... I was in, like, a history class... Um, and for whatever reason, we watched two things that had Benedict Cumberbatch in them, like in a row, one being Ooh. Amazing Grace. Okay. Uh, and I can't remember, the other one was like, it, I don't even know what the heck it was. Um, but I like oh. fixated on Benedict Cumberbatch and I was like, I don't, I don't know what it is about that guy. He's like super weird looking, but like, I'm also kind of obsessed. Yeah, and I started yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah looking up everything that he'd been in, what my friends and I used to call army hammering someone. Um, now we call it Hiddle spotting because clearly army hammering was a problematic thing. But that's what we call it when you try to watch everything someone was in. I see. Uh, so I started, you know, Hiddle spotting uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And like then obviously he got really huge. And this is like a thing I think, like now we almost just accept he's handsome. But I think mm. for a while there we all were like, what? Yeah. What is the deal? It's it's exactly <laughs> that inscrutable kind of physical presence which made him the perfect yeah. Sherlock. He's right. Yeah. Almost as though he's uh, there's an alien quality to him. Isn't I was about it? to there's say he's a, alien looking. Yeah, something Tilda Swintony about him, kind of androgyny. Right. There's something uh, again quite appealing in Benedict's case. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it makes him perfect for these kind of otherworldly kind of roles. He's a good Doctor Strange. He's a great Sherlock just because of that. Adam Driver, yeah. however, is just a fucking funny looking, lumpy looking kind of guy. Yeah. 
But for some reason, it like works. I mean, it's not really my bag, but like for a lot of people, it's like you see him and you're like, what is this person? And but I'm intrigued by it. And there's, then... a, there's a gas that you can inhale, right? Which is like, you know, right. When you take like a massive hit off a vape pen, right? Uh-huh. And for some reason, your voice goes like down an octave and takes on this weird fucking quality. Adam drivering of the voice. He's got a fucking strange <laughs> voice which feels like he's talking to you through like a hoover bag full of right. dust. Um, he gets his top off in Last Duel and again, you're treated to the sight of his way too fucking wide body. Right. Um, yeah. Adam Driver, what the fuck? What is up with that guy? Yeah, I very much respect that somehow he has made that work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, for whatever reason, it hits. Yeah. And uh, I'm on board for that just, like, genuine weirdness being appealing to a large swath of people. Totally. Please, please don't mistake anything I've just said there for any kind (laughs) of body shaming. Fuck no. (laughs) No, it's just, it is a fact of, like, it's not what people generally look like, and yet it works. And this always, to me, I feel like is exactly this. It's like an argument for, like, just put people on screen. Yes. And, like, we're going to like it. Because it's still... Oh, it's gotten better I since the 90s and early 2000s. Can't but agree like, with that more. Yeah. Like, now, I'm like... We all sit here thinking, like, oh, everything about our bodies is wrong and it, like, looks weird and nobody's going to like us or whatever. Yeah. And then when you put someone like Adam Driver on screen, like, and people go bananas, it's like, okay, now how about try other normal things about people? Yeah. You're so right. (laughs) How about we don't make all the actors starve themselves. I'm watching like Brie Larson on her Instagram just like shrink into a nothing person. Mm. And I'm like, what if we just didn't make them do that? Yeah. You know, what if we just let people look like they look and that was fine. Anyways, you've put me on a soapbox here by accident, but Adam Driver, weird looking dude, you do you. Uh, Isn't the new Thor quite soon? Thor Love and Thunder, isn't that coming out quite soon? It must be. Because I'm reasonably sure my sweet, sweet baby darling Natalie Portman is going to be ripped as shit for that film. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's the new Thor, isn't she? She, she. Oh, is she? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I didn't know that she they gets were to be Thor in doing it. that in yeah. this movie. Yeah, and she's going to be buff as fuck. And I then, frankly yeah, don't be. know if I can cope. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be another moment that blows Mark's mind. Be dragging... Just cleaning you up off of the floor of the movie theater. For for any listeners who don't know, I I look. Hey, I enjoy a, the aesthetics of a woman who I know could just beat the fuck out of me without breaking a sweat. Um, yeah, this is why it was so disappointing when Gina Carano turned out to be trash oh, because I believe wasn't it? you said to me once, "Just crush my skull, Gina Carano." Something along those lines. <laughs> just, um. Uh, Mirabelle's sister in Encanto. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, is she single? Um. <laughs> yes. I love her. I love but, everything about hey. that. Yeah. Like, uh, see, this is this is what I'm saying, Hollywood. Mm. Anyway, this sorry. You want to see Adam McKay? You were saying Adam McKay. Don't look up. 
it's fine. It's whatever. It's okay. It's not that funny. It's way longer than it needs to be. It's very on the nose. Mm. Um, I want to see, I think I've said before, I want to see like a really good climate change movie. Um, yeah. I'm way, this... I'm way more likely to watch Don't Look Up than I am fucking Moonfall or whatever the fuck it's called. Oh, I'm watching the shit oh. out of that. I, You know I love Roland Emmerich. Yes, I, this know, is. I know. And I, I know, love I that, um, I think it was Jason Kodera posted something. Was it him? Someone posted like there's like a five minute opening clip to that movie, Moonfall, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, posted in our Facebook group and... I am like I didn't watch it because I'm like I don't I don't even need it mm. I don't I'm you had me I'm on board the moon I watched... is about to crash into the earth yeah like are you kidding me yeah no this is stupid and it's gonna be so insanely high stakes again that's and another so movie unrealistic. that only ought to exist as a poster on some fucking producer's wall and that's a... what Roland Emmerich is it's like these are all joke movies taken deadly seriously yeah. And I, I enjoy that because it really, I mean, you can watch like, I mean, certainly some of these have like a message, you know, and he seems like a really nice guy. He seems mm. like he's got his heart's in the right place with stuff. And he's just an enthusiastic person who loves making his big dumb movies and all that stuff. At the same time, when I'm watching them, I am not sitting there thinking about climate change. I'm not thinking no. about anything. No, I'm, I'm not fully engaged. Resolving in the to be a better person. Stakes. Yeah, the stakes of this movie and this movie alone and these characters within and that is all that exists in my world while I watch them. And that's not what Don't Look Up is at all. It is meant to for you to be watching it and going, oh, everything in this is exactly what's going on around me. Oh. Uh, so, and if you could reflect, it's like what you were saying when we were watching Silent Night last week, where you're like, I want this to be more farce. Yes. And it's like, it's trying really hard to be farce, but not doing it all the way. I, I don't know if Leo DiCaprio has that in him. Oh, I don't, I mean, I think he's really good in it. I think, I don't know. I'm basing it, right? I, recently, yeah. uh, I saw some kind of behind the scenes bits from Wolf of Wall Street, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you see Leo between takes. Mm-hmm. And he shuts down and he becomes completely Im- immobile. He doesn't move. He's looking directly right. at the ground. It's as though, you know, his soul has left his body and he's just a house. <laughs> then yeah. bang, the clap of all comes down and boosh, he, he bursts into character and is fantastic. Right. I don't know if that kind of, I'm going to call it Bale-esque, uh, sure. retreating into oneself and giving one's all to a character. I don't think he's got a fucking knockabout comedy in him. Maybe That's I'm fair. Wrong. That's Maybe I'm absolute wrong. fair. I like my thought process is that he can complete the assignment, whatever the yeah. assignment is. Yeah. You know. Uh. But yeah, maybe you're right. I don't think he's necessarily the problem with this. I think he plays this kind of like pathetic but passionate professor. Well, everyone pay- plays their parts well. Jonah Hill's in a different movie than everyone else's. Bless him. I love the guy, but he is in Superbad, and everyone else is in The Big Short. Isn't he always? <laughs> Right. Like it just, it doesn't make sense. Um, You know, I'm not saying don't watch it. It was like, I watched it the whole two and a half hours. Um, It just, afterwards, I was like, it didn't impact me. I'm still waiting for my climate change movie that, that does this right. Mm. You know, but 
Was it not Geostorm? Have you seen? Okay, okay, sorry. Oh, Geostorm. (laughs) Geostorm really gets it. (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I got anything else. Encanto, fantastic. Yeah, Encanto was amazing. Um, I'll tell you something that over-delivered on what I was expecting was a Mm. revisit of Scrooged after many years of not having seen it. Fucking great. That was another one where I kind of, I realised, ooh, maybe I'm not okay because I spent the entire thing with a lump in my throat. Like, all of it (laughs) on the verge of tears. Um, Right. So good. Uh, Bill Murray. Yeah. I'm going to say overacting the entire time. (laughs) Yes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, He is certainly cranked to 11. Yeah, really. Punishing his vocal cords, screeching, shouting, uh, you know, completely mugging it the entire time. But wonderful and when the kid speaks at the end ruined and by the way also one of the things about that his the like dead boss in that the practical effects completely incredible uh when he snaps the arm off and falls out the window really good leans right into to that kind Mm -hmm. of icky zombie bit i love it um yeah so anyways in the spirit of the holiday yes we figured we'd have a nice festive topic for you today. Mm. Uh, Mark, you wanted to talk this week about the ways in which people harness amazing new technologies for murder. For the for purposes, death. yeah, for the purposes of ending human life. See, for ending lives. I guess this is the yin to the yang of our opening. I mean, if life mm. finds a way. God damn, we'll find a fucking way to end it. Ugh, God, that's true. You know, if mm-hmm. if you just leave life to its own devices, it will adapt and blossom and develop no matter what the surroundings, no matter what right. adversity, fucking, you know, geography and geology and weather and, and, and adversity can put in front of us. Just left to its own devices, life will find a way to thrive. Mm-hmm. But of course, leave us to our own devices. And we'll just keep coming up with new and fantastic and innovative ways to fucking end life. Mm, it's incredible, mm-hmm. isn't it? What the fuck are we even doing? I don't know. I don't know. Why is it like, are there, and this is a tangent, it may be something to explore at a later, at a later date, but are there murderous other animals? Yes. You know, like, okay, have, have, we, have we discussed this before? We might like have done. Like things that, like, just kill done. for fun? Yes, they fucking well are. Because this was my in to this topic, right? You know full okay. well that it's a... And, it, and if you're a new Joe Ag listener, I've got a fucking huge bee in my bonnet about <laughs> what bits of our animal brain we still mm. retain, you know? And what are the things, the, 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 the things that differentiate us from other mammals other animals right and yeah there are there are plenty of other animals that kill for fun um wolves do it lions do it wolves do it oh fucking right well yeah wolves they will often uh they will often uh, kill multiple animals and simply leave the kills behind without feeding on them really yeah 100 percent 100 percent that is surprising to me. They, I was thinking you were going to say like maybe like some insects or like something. I don't know. Maybe not insects because I feel like it does develop, like require some form of developed brain. Mm. But I was not expecting it to be something like that, that 
Also, like you would imagine, there maybe would be some sense of scarcity or something like that. Nope. I they guess when they have plenty to eat, they're like meh. They hunt for fun. Yep. They absolutely will hunt for fun and and leave their kills behind. Uh, believe it or not, elephants. Elephants kill for fun. Elephants. Um, they they'll kill snakes for fun. Stomp on snakes and just leave them around. Uh, and it's it's not because they're afraid of snakes or anything like that. They're nah, just nah. They'll just stomp on them and leave them behind. Uh, huh. Lions do it. Uh, then primates, chimpanzees, gorillas—they'll kill for fun. Chimpanzees will kill. They're basically us, so that makes sense. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. But chimps will <laughs> will, will kill other chimps, in fact, and just mm-hmm. fucking leave them behind. So, wow. Yes, um, we aren't alone in killing. I guess also that does make a difference too. Like a an animal killing another animal almost seems different. Mm. Like the fact that like if. For example, an ant were to scurry across this table. I just yep. put my finger on it, and you know, it'd yeah, be and and you wouldn't you know, consider like, that an but, act of killing per se, would you? Right, killing your own kind, I think, is what yeah is the thing that like squicks us out, like yeah. for no apparent reason. Just like you know, if an elephant just goes and like kills other elephants, not for competition, mm. not for food, not for anything like that. They just kill other elephants because they felt like it. Yeah. That's scarier than stepping on a snake. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. maybe something a little different. But, you know, it's again, we've got these instincts, but we've also got the good old opposable thumbs, you know. We've also mm-hmm. got the higher functions. We are certainly the only species that's invested time, invested money into researching, developing growing ways of killing other people it, mm, mm-hmm. in ways that kind of elevate it, I guess, it, into <laughs> we've, art. Some ways that we've devised over the fucking years, over the eras, elevate killing almost into an art form. There's so... Right. Uh, take, for example, and the, the, the two words I'm going to use to describe this method of killing are going to tell you everything you need to know about what it entails. Rat torture. Rat torture. Yeah, is that something you've feared of? Is that something that rings a bell? Rat torture. Of of humans? Yeah. Okay, so what I'm thinking of is there was a killer who was technically a hitman, uh, but liked his job a little too much, uh, named Richard Kuklinski. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was like a hitman for like the mob. Mm. And what he would do um, is he would, like all you have to do for the mob is like basically make the body disappear they don't give a fuck what you're yeah doing sure, with sure, it. sure 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 uh, so he had found like this like cave that was really secluded um and he would take the person there and cover them in like honey or something like that and then rats would come wow. and basically eat away at this person while they were alive which oh, led wow. to then the rats just developing a taste for human flesh so he didn't even have to put stuff on but he just put them in there and the rats would be like flesh oh, and come in and eat <laughs> <Flesh>. the people <laughs> when when are we talking when was this sound uh i want it's got to be the 80s or 90s i think oh fuck somewhere in that vicinity yeah uh, the go back and we're talking 17th century Europe, right? There was a okay. uh, a, a Dutch leader, a guy by the name of Diederik Sonnet, and he's the first okay. guy who we've got like uh, documented evidence of using rat torture against captured prisoners, and 
without wanting to get too graphic, I'm going to fucking paint a picture for you here. So imagine the prisoner uh, stripped naked, stripped topless, uh, prone and with a rat trapped and pressed against the abdomen in kind of a half cage, like a cloche almost. Okay. Um, the cage is heated slowly. Oh. Forcing the rat to seek escape. <gasps> oh no. Yeah. Leading the rat to burrow through the soft surface. Oh. Yeah, of the human. Oh, that is horrifying. So it just yeah. basically tries to like eat its way through someone's abdomen to get it, away from the heat. Exactly this, exactly this. Horrifying, Corrigan, yes. Yeah. But on such a fucking level, <laughs> only a human could have conceived of something so right. fucking disgusting. Yeah, because you know? it requires the use of like... You know, you're using tools. Yep. You're to using other you're animals. Using, this is interspecies torture. Animals. Interspecies yeah. torture. And like you said there, right. so, you know, you've got your guy there, your hitman there who's using this. Uh, there, there are records of um, this being used late 20th century, man, Pinochet. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the Chilean dictator, Augusto Pinochet, using rat torture against his political opponents. So it isn't. You know, it's tempting yeah. to go, ah, 17th century, those guys were fucked, man. Right. Uh, we've we've learned so much since then. Uh, nope. <laughs> no, absolutely Rat not. Rat torture, mate, still being used towards the end of the 20th century in much yeah. the same way. In fact, the reports of, of, of how, you know, Pinochet used rat torture is even more intimate, if you follow me, um, than oh, no. the example I've just outlined there. For the same, in the interest of good taste. Hey, it's fucking Christmas. I'm not going to talk Why about that. Why are you... <laughs> Like, good taste all of a sudden. <laughs> hey. Is that what people are listening to this podcast for? Good taste? Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, there are plenty, plenty of examples of using, of, of just creative uh, and messed up ways of murder. It's much like the discussion we had with Hollywood Steve when we were both on Dead and Lovely a couple of weeks ago, right? Mm. Um. Uh, fictional, uh, you know, fictional murderers who elevate their killing into the into the kind of the realm of art. I mean, right. uh, if I were to use the words the, the brazen bull, does that ring any bells? I don't think so. All right, so please come back with me, if you will, uh, to ancient Greece. All right. Okay. So the year five sixty BC. Uh, there was a, a tyrant by the name of Phalaris who ruled uh, a kind of a seaside colony uh, around where we would now think of Sicily. Okay. Okay. Um, he commissioned a, uh, a sculptor to create for him a replica of a bull, right? Mm -hmm. A bull in brass. Uh, a polished, gleaming brass model of a bull. Um, but the statue was contrived so that inside it had uh, a kind of an echo chamber, pipes, mm -hmm. whistles. The idea being that a person could be put inside the hollow chamber of this brass bull and a fire lit underneath. <gasps> oh, my God. Right? Uh, a yeah. fire that, when stoked sufficiently, the victim of the brazen bull would be literally roasted alive. Jesus. With the idea that the screams inside the bull, thanks to the acoustics of the mechanism, would sound as though the bull was roaring. <gasps> oh 
but the roars would come from the human being being burned and roasted alive inside. Now, was this like, like almost entertainment? Like, would people come out to see this? Like, like a lynching or something like that? Like, because it's a it's a political person, right? You said it was like the emperor or the yeah, he whatever. was he was the ruler uh, uh, from Warren Gatta, quite a small scale ruler, a guy who just ruled okay. like a seaside, like a colony. The place okay. was called Akragas. It's like basically the mayor. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, like a councillor. And- and yeah, was it just for him, or do you know? Did like people come out to see well, people roar with the screams of some? I don't know if it enemy. was an event or what, but many, many. This guy fried many, many people in this bowl. The first victim, however, hey, plot twist: the first guy was the guy who designed it, a guy called Perilous. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was man, the oh man. First. See, you can't fucking trust people. No, you cannot. Who would employ you to do something like that? No, like, you let's cannot. be real. It's a uh, bad idea. This me... also makes me think of. Um, are you familiar with H. H. Holmes? Mm, H. H. Holmes. I don't believe I am. Devil in the White City. No. Um. So great book. Highly recommend. And it has been in the process of becoming a movie for like eight years now. It's yeah. Catherine Bigelow directing Leonardo DiCaprio starring. Mm. H.H. H. Holmes was a serial killer who, um, in the late 1800s in Chicago during the World's Fair, built an entire hotel for the purpose of murder. And basically, because think about like when a World's Fair was coming through town, right? And if you're not familiar, if you're listening to this and you're like, what the fuck's a World's Fair? It's where you get things like the Space Needle and, and stuff like that, yeah, the sure. big Millennium Arch in St. Louis. It's this place where people would come, different countries came, and they showed off their burgeoning technology. So at the World's Fair that we're talking about here in Chicago, you had stuff that was being displayed, like the Ferris wheel for mm. the first time. I've often Incubators wondered what the fuck these are. Like the Expo, the World's Expo. Expo, yeah. They're oh. called Expo now, and yeah, they yeah, still yeah, sure. exist. Yeah, so Incubators for Babies, Pab's Blue Ribbon came from this, like all <laughs> kinds of stuff. Heineken. Uh, you know that little <laughs> that little tune that you use whenever something's supposed to be like Egyptian, Egyptian or yeah, Middle sure. Eastern or things like that. That came from this World's Fair. Like, So this is essentially what this was. And you have hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people coming through to see these things. And in the late uh, 1800s, you're talking about the fact, like, there's no tracing people. They don't have cell phones where you can, like, be Mm. like, oh, find my friend or stuff like that. So you have anonymous people coming through here who, if they disappear, it's going to take weeks, months for people to notice that they were ever gone and not have a clue where the fuck they went. Transient population vagrants, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, or or just people, like, a lot of young women came from, like, places where there were no jobs where they were to come work at the World's Fair. Be like, oh, I can come work a booth here. Like, Mm. things like that. Like, so it was a job opportunity for a lot of people. Um, And so H.H. Holmes literally built a hotel for the purpose of efficiently committing murders of people who were coming through for the World's Fair, essentially. And his hotel had things like, pipes running through it that turned the rooms into literal gas chambers in them there were rooms in which like people it was like a big kiln like a big oven uh that would cook people in it so you'd see like handprints in the sides from where people tried to like get out of his little oven room and things like that he used all of like this available stuff to outfit 
his yeah. hotel and honestly his downfall he probably would have gotten away with it too but he didn't like to pay bills so <laughs> he had all these See? people giving him stuff to you know all these contractors and stuff building things for him and then he didn't pay them <laughs> and people came around but yeah like the these things like creating that bowl just made me think of that that like he had created all these elaborate structures throughout this entire hotel mm. to make an efficient murder place and actually Amer there's an american horror story series that's based off that. i didn't watch it but there is an entire season called american horror story hotel that is based off of hh H. holmes incredible uh, mm, but uh, yeah. i mean again it, it it speaks to my point other fucking animals don't do this they don't <laughs> set traps and build shit yeah to kill like people the, in creative like exactly artistic to ways. think there's gonna be a whole bunch of people coming through here mm. who no one's gonna know where they came from and mm. i can build a hotel with elaborate traps for them yep but yeah Fucking it, hell. But that's exactly my point that's elevating murder that is mm -hmm. elevating it to take the bull again right you've got sculpture in there you've got fucking yeah. music in there uh, to quote right. uh, the, uh, an historian uh, Diodorus Siculus right uh, mm -hmm. he quotes Perilous remarking if you ever wish to punish some man O Phalaris shut him up within the bull and lay a fire beneath it by his groanings the bull will be thought to bellow and his cries of pain will give you pleasure as they come through the pipes in the nostrils that's almost making some kind of musical instrument out of the act right. of murder yeah you know it's so sociopathic too yep. <laughs> like when oh there's God. no to create something that's just like punishment yeah. no value on human life you know right. let me just create this beautiful artistic expression yeah. through someone literally like dying in one of the most horrific ways you can imagine incredible because you don't even have like i imagine with that like there's no smoke inhalation or anything like that so you literally just die yep. from cooking oh, that oh way, which you, is miserable. you are roasted you are literally yeah. roasted oh that is horrendous <sighs> but it feels to me as though what where we're at now is mm -hmm. through technology and through connectivity ubiquitous connectivity we've almost gone in entirely the opposite direction and mm. innovated forms of murder which completely remove the human and the tactile right you know um, yeah, this is, uh, and I'll let you get to what your mm. your examples of this, but there's a book that was like life changing for me as an evangelical trying to figure out my way in the world after college. And I lent it to many, many friends until eventually it just got lost because I'd lent it out so many times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a book by a Catholic professor named Dave Griffith, and it was called A Good War is Hard to Find. Okay. Um, and he talked about uh, the first iraq war um and seeing like kind of the like you know galvanizing thing in this or the the beginning of this book is seeing those missiles launched these very impersonal missiles being launched in that war um that are there's no person behind it right yeah. they're just sending these electronically over and killing people who you also don't see yeah. it's a completely impersonal process yeah of being able to send these over and what that means for us being able to create things that detach us completely yes from the process 
of death. Yes. And what that, you know, that's that's not a good thing for us. And it's oh, clearly, no. we can see that, like, now, just recently here in America, where, like, multiple attacks, recently drone attacks have happened um, in Afghanistan, in which civilians have been killed by our drones. Mm-hmm. And egregiously, like... That no reason, no justification, someone saw something that was not the thing they thought it was and they killed these groups of people. The term is engaged. Civilians have been engaged. Engaged, right. And it's fine. Like, they've found there's no wrongdoing in this or whatever. It's just a big oopsie. Yeah. Someone playing their little PlayStation drone game, essentially, with this stuff. And you see that starting from from that uh, that he talks about in that book. So I highly recommend... I mean, also, I don't think you can find it now. But if you can find a copy of A Good War, it's hard to find. Well, yeah, I mean, we're we're very much on the same page. I know I sent you a link uh, last week or possibly the week before. Every year, Mm -hmm. BBC Radio runs something called The Wreath Lectures, uh, where... Mm -hmm. you know, an eminent mind in one field or another is invited to give kind of lectures to the nation on whatever their, their topic of, of 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 specialism is. And uh, I, I forget the professor's name. I'm going to post it on Twitter because the lecture was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we had a name in the field of artificial intelligence given the wreath lectures this year. And one of oh, his lectures yeah. was concerned with the topic of autonomous killing autonomous right. killing machines um and to that end it, it's very very likely that in march last year uh a landmark happened in the the first ever battlefield killing from a lethal autonomous weapon system took place in libya oh wow the first ever completely autonomous uh act of killing from a machine took place during a battle in Libya. Incredible. <sighs> That's horrifying. Yep. Uh, <laughs> like, it shouldn't be impersonal. It absolutely should not be. The The scientist's name, by the way, is Stuart Russell. Yeah, there you go. Um, and and I, I, I massively recommend that, anybody yeah. listen to this, to, to listen to this year's Wreath Lectures. Again, one of the yeah. other fucking, one of my other bet noirs is AI. I'm terrified yeah, of it. Exactly. it. No good can come of it. And this year's Yeah, and lectures. this is, I mean... I remember, you know, years ago when I wasn't really, like, thinking about all of this in the same way, the idea of that, oh, yeah, okay, like, you know, there's something to depersonalizing this and just being like, okay, everything is very, like, efficient and all that Mm. stuff. And then when you think about it for, like, three seconds, like, no, that's horrifying. Mm -hmm. I always think of, um, I think it was All Quiet on the Western Front. Did you have to read that when you Hmm. were in high school or whatever? I didn't have to. I'm... uh... You may have at some point anyway. I believe it's in that book where there's a thing where uh, the author is saying, like, wars should be fought just by the leaders of each country. Oh, and yeah. they should literally just, like, get in a ring and have a match or whatever. Yeah. Instead of having a whole bunch of, you know, the rest of us get yeah. out there and fight their to wars quote for system them. Like, of a you're down, so invested. Why don't presidents fight the war? Why do they always send the Exactly. Yeah. That's However. Exactly it. Um, and is what I, you know, talk about in my classes and things like that, that people go to war for an entirely different reason than yes. governments go oh, to war. Beautifully and put. depersonalizing that through AI is not, no. that is not a good thing. No. Uh, you know, but from the artistry, and I'm, I, I apologize if, if, if it comes across that I'm, I'm thinking of the fucking bull oven 
as you know a human achievement it's not it's fucking horrific right no. but at least <laughs> yeah. there's been an act of creation there right. this <laughs> atrocity that happened in the battlefield in libya last year was done by a cargo two attack drone right um made by a turkish robotics company called stm and i spent some time earlier on on their website uh and the cargo rotary wing attack uav holy shit i fly a drone recreationally right and mm-hmm. i'm yeah taking a look at the 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 gui and the hardware here a remote control and a, a, you know a four rotor i'm reasonably sure i could pick one of these fuckers up myself right i mean it doesn't you sent me the link to the the site earlier it doesn't look that different from nope. any any other drone i've ever seen nope this uh let's read some of the the capabilities on the stm website which by the way is it it looks as though they're trying to sell you a car it looks yeah, as though they're trying does. to sell you a fucking, you know, a flat, a holiday home. Day and night mission capability. Precision strike with minimum collateral damage. Multiple warhead options. Mission abort. Oh, so crazy. Mission abort and return home capabilities. Oh, great. So you can abort the mission then if you want. Oh, that's fucking yeah. good. Okay, oh, great. good. Glad to hear it. Uh, optical and physical target tracking. They are... They're bullet pointing the, the 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 specs of this fucking thing, right? Like you're tricking out your car, just like you're a little add-ons on your Honda Fit, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, that's but it is this a thing that is available to the public, or is it specifically for? I don't know about the public, like, but there okay. is a brochure you can download from this company STM, which I believe are a Turkish uh, munitions company, which you know position it as being something which is it. it Put it like this, it ain't fucking Skynet, maybe 30 years in the future, this stuff would be possible. It's stuff which is in play and in use now. Autonomous uh, attack systems. And you've seen seen the video, you've seen the kind of the the demonstration video. This fucking Mm -hmm. thing just explodes, maybe about five, six feet above the air, peppering every fucker in the region with lethal shrapnel wounds. Yeah, the idea that this is a better way is so incredible to me. The idea that people think yeah. that this is the way to go and that then they will convince yeah. their their populations that they have created the, the, a better way to war. The menu bar at the top of STM's website, who we are, our solutions, innovation, media, careers. <laughs> it, it, it's insane. It's, it's insane. That is, oh my gosh. <laughs> and we know, like, that's the thing is when we think about even the regular planes we fly on, like Boeing and things like that. When we think about what, like, the capitalist uh, commitment to war, the investment in war, yeah. we know that that is a thing. We yeah. know what Northrop Grumman is, even as they're sponsoring our PBS kids shows or whatever. Yeah. But the idea of this being sold yeah. like a car, like to have it like that really paints that picture for you to, to go, oh my God, all war is is a capitalist endeavor mm. and they're trying to sell you the best shit to engage yeah. in this. And they're going to sell it to you to get you excited about it when you flip through that brochure. Yes. Like, Ooh. while you're going to bed, like, oh, honey, you know. Like Joe well, Biden, like Doctor Jill, look at this great like yeah. drone we can get to go kill a bunch of civilians in Afghanistan. I was <laughs> disappointed in that brochure that I couldn't find any prices because I was like, eh. 
<laughs> you're gonna keep one. Well, if you have to ask, Mark, yeah. if you have to ask, what are you gonna do? I was concerned earlier on that I didn't have a through line for this episode. I just had a bunch of fucking stuff I wanted to talk about. But yeah, I, I suppose <laughs> I do. Life finds a way, uh, and we'll find a way to fucking end it. Yeah, it's absolutely true. God, why are we like this? <laughs> why are we like this? Yeah. You've got evolution just What went wrong in evolution? Mutating over fucking thousands of years so that the caterpillar won't get eaten by as many birds. And humans living on mountains. Oh, I'll, don't worry. I'll, I'll just develop you a little bit so you can just process that oxygen a bit more efficiently. Would that help? Yeah, that'd be great. We'll just busily fucking invent a bull to cook people in. <laughs> and it sounds like music. This is, see, at the beginning also, you said you can see why people believe in intelligent design and mm. whatnot, because how else does this kind of stuff happen? It is so hard to fathom. Yeah. But then when you see the way we casually end life, Man. it really throws that whole intelligent design thing for a loop. And yes, obviously, religion has found ways to explain that. Original sin, free will, whatever. Satan. But more likely, something went terribly wrong here in our design. And a bug that we have in this system is just constantly trying to murder each other. Hmm. It's like we've evolved all the other things to yeah. be very smart about stuff. But we still act like we have to have the same reactions to competition and things like that as, yep. you know... The fucking elk mm. to smash our, our, you know, antlers together. Is it a gene, I wonder? Is it genetic? Is it, is it, what is it? What is it? That's, a, it's another episode is what it is. Yeah. But now that I'm, <laughs> now that I'm sort of processing it, I feel like this is exactly it. It's that every animal, not every animal, but a lot of animals have something in them to respond to competition for mates for food for whatever things like that mm. they have something in them to respond Dominate. to stimuli that mm. it makes sense to kill another or injure another and things like that and we have evolved beyond the need to do that and yet that impulse remains in us and what do we do with that impulse when we don't need it we do it for fun we do, we do it. We find a reason to use it anyway. We decide other nations are that other bull going for the same, you know, the same female. Is that I don't a, know. Is that the great filter, I wonder? <laughs> maybe. Maybe that is. I don't know. I don't know, Mark. What are your thoughts, listeners? Mm, yeah. Why do we do this? Why are we like this? Why are we like this? I don't want to murder anybody. Well, that's good. Sometimes my on an, mom. On an individual level. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I on an individual level. But yeah. <laughs> zoom yeah, out actually, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, zoom out and that's not true. But uh, I don't know. We don't want to murder you, As dear listeners. Say, In fact, we love you yeah. dearly. Very much so. We're very glad you're here. We hope you're having a wonderful end of your year. And that, hey, 2022 treats you super well and turns over a new leaf yep. and if you get omicron which many of us are likely to that it uh that it is not much and you're totally cool and think to yourself and you get super immune as you're walking it off just think to yourself omicron just all i'm saying is give omicron a chance mm. 
yeah, that's the that's the message here. Hey, speaking of evolution, um, Spotify has evolved to allow you to oh, rate yes. podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So if you're listening to us on Spotify right now, hey, we would be super, super, super grateful and delighted if you'd just give a little tappity tap and rate us. Fucking five stars if you love us. One star if you don't. I'm all yeah. about fucking transparency and honesty. If you think we're full of shit, <laughs> give us a one star and we'll try and be better. But, you know, use but, that But yeah, you feature. don't even have to write a review. All you got to do is hit those stars. So mm-hmm. hit those five stars and we will be so grateful. Yes. If you really love us, buy our merch. I saw some people buying some this week. You're Ooh, wonderful cool. treasures. So thank you for doing that. Um, and remember, also, we've got a watch along this <gasps> Wednesday, the yes. 29th of December, 2021. This We're Wednesday, going to be watching final Trilogy watch along of the year. Terror. I've never seen this. Yes. Is it good? You've never seen Trilogy of Terror? Nope. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. I made a unilateral decision on this. Usually these are Mark's uh, thing, yeah. but obviously Mark has family and things to do and whatnot, and so I decided to take on the choice this time. Uh, so Trilogy of Terror is a, a formative one for me that I watched over and over as a child, and several other people have expressed the same, Good. and I'm excited to expose you to it. It's a quick movie. It's like an hour and ten minutes or something like that. Good. Um... It should be a really fun time. So join us. Our Discord link is in our bio on everything. Go to jackofallgraves.com if you want to find it. Um, and we're just going to chill, have a little midweek hangout. It'll be a good time. Good. And the book club poll will be up this week, too, for what day we want to do book club uh, in January. So look for that as well. Uh, so thank you very much indeed for hanging with us. Uh, best, best of the season to each and all of you. And why don't you stay fucking spooky? I concur. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>